Is that not what all of us want? For him to one of these days say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But you know, we have two problems. You can probably guess what they are. The first problem is pride. We think that we are right. We think that we have our act together, whatever. The second problem is selfishness. James 4 talks about both of these. Our tendency is to want what we want when we want it. And our tendency is to think that we are right. There are two priorities that help us fight against pride and selfishness. The first one is faith. We've been talking a lot about that. In one way, when you think about pride, the opposite is humility. But if you have genuine humility, then you're going to have genuine faith. You're going to recognize you can't depend on yourself. You've got to depend on God. We talked about that last week. First of all, the heroes of the faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews, we look around and we see them and their testimony, their witness. But then at the end of the sermon last week, we looked at the verse number 2, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We definitely need faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith without works is dead. We have faith that's going to make a difference in our lives. We don't have faith. It's going to make a negative difference in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13 talk about faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And he says in verse number 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Why would we fall? Because of our pride. We think we stand. We need to take heed. It goes on to talk about faith in verse number 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God will make a way to escape. So we need to make sure that we trust in Him. Jeremiah 17 has several verses that talk about trusting in God. Jeremiah chapter 17, we're probably familiar with verse number 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? As we think about that, it should make us recognize we can't trust ourselves. We can only trust God. We want to do well. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man. Do you want to be cursed? Probably most of us don't. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Verse number 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. It goes on to say, For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Aren't those some great verses? Just makes sense that we need to recognize, if we want to deal with the issue of pride, that faith is important. We need to trust God, not ourselves. And as we do, that's when we please God. That's when we're able to live the Christian life. But the second priority is love. And of course, this is, you know, it, February 14th comes every year, Valentine's Day. 
The Bible talks about love, and there's several kinds of love it talks about. Three are as follows. One would be eros. And eros has to do with erotic love, romantic love. It has to do with a husband and wife being in love, things of that nature. And, and that's, of course, a lot of times what we concentrate on on Valentine's Day. But there's a second, philia. Philia is friendship. It has to do with a love for one another that's not romantic. But it's a friendship, common purpose, common interests, and so on. The most talked about word for love in the Bible, you probably know, it's called agape. And it's God's kind of love. Of course, we know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the kind of love that God showed us. And that was great love indeed. The reality is that we're sinners. We don't deserve to go to heaven. We deserve to go to hell. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can go to heaven if we believe, if we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. He that believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I think it's important for us to recognize as we think about faith and love, as we think about God's love to us, that we respond in faith, that we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him, but without faith, it's impossible to be saved as well. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we should respond to God's love by trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. But as we think about love, we need to recognize that it's more than responding to God's love and, and trusting Him as Savior. We need to make sure He's Lord. In fact, John 14, 15 says this. If Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We need to make sure that Jesus Christ is Savior. We also need to make sure that He is Lord. Take your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at three observations about love. As you're turning, remember, we got two big problems, pride and selfishness. The solution would be faith and love. And we need to trust Christ as Savior, make sure He's Lord and love one another. Love God, love one another. Isn't that the great commandment? And that's exactly what we need to do. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at much of the chapter, but point out a couple different verses. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Faith working through love. The observation is this. Love is faith in action. Now what I did is I went ahead and just put the different verses that I'm going to be looking at so that you don't have to think, what was the verse he was looking at? What, what, I want to look it up. I appreciate the fact that many of you do want the verses. You want to know what the reference is. You want to be able to look it up yourself. That's, that's the way we need to do it, to look into God's Word ourself. But as we think about love being faith in action, we need to recognize the context in verses 1 through 6. The context is that Paul is talking to the Galatian church, which had a tendency to be very legalistic about the fact that the issue 
is not keeping the law in our own strength. And instead, the issue has to do with love. The important thing is not legalistic keeping of the law. The important thing is love, which is the supernatural result of faith. Look at verse number one. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. So in this portion of Scripture, Paul talks about the two things that are priorities that I mentioned earlier. Faith and love. Faith working through love. In verse number 5, he talks about the righteousness which comes by faith. And, and that's the only way we can be truly righteous. The problem is in Paul's day and in this day, some of us attempt to be righteous by keeping the law. And Paul was pointing out the, the lunacy of that because we can't keep the law. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have not sinned so far this year? Raise your hand. I'm just raising my hand to, to show you how to raise your hand. It's not because I have not sinned. Anybody here not sin this year? Of course, if, if you hadn't sinned this year, you're probably very humble and you wouldn't, wouldn't raise your hand anyway. But the reality is that we all fail, do we not? All of us sin, fall short of the glory of God. That's why it's so important that we trust Jesus Christ as Savior. It's also why it's so important to confess our sins. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. On either side of that verse, it talks about the fact that if we say that we have no sin or if we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves. We're, we're lying because the reality is all of us mess up. And, and we need to recognize that and we need to trust God to work in our midst, in our lives. Because we cannot keep the law through our own self-effort. We will ultimately fail. Sort of like Paul in Romans chapter 7. The good things I do want to do, that's not what I do. The bad things I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. That's sometimes the way that all of us feel in all probability. But love is faith in action. We're not depending on ourselves to do good works. We're depending on God to work in us so that we can live the Christian life through his power. Paul deals with some of these things in Philippians as well. Philippians 2.13 says, it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's the one that gives us the desire and the ability to do his will. You're very familiar with Philippians 4.13. I can do all things, not by myself, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 1 verses 9 through 11 is a prayer that Paul prays for the Philippian church. And, and, of course, prayer is an expression of our faith to God, or at least it should be. He said, this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. In other words, we ought to be praying that God will help us to love one another like we should. 
because we can't do it in our own strength. But when we trust God, he helps us to love like we ought to love. I do think we have a problem in the church. We have a problem of people who have perhaps said a prayer or walked an aisle and they think they're fine. But the reality is that if we have genuine faith, it's going to make a difference in our lives. Wouldn't you agree with that? If we have genuine faith, it's going to make a difference in our lives. And if we don't see any difference in our lives, then we need to examine ourselves and make sure that we have genuine faith, that we really do know Jesus Christ as our Savior. 1 John chapter 2 deals with that. You might want to turn there, keep your finger in, in Galatians. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse number 3 to the end of the chapter. Well, actually, not quite that long. 2 through 11, 3 through 11. 1 John 2, 3 through 11. Now, by this we know that we know him if we do what? Keep his commandments. By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. The implication is if we don't keep his commandments then we really can't have assurance of salvation. Now, I'm not saying that someone who sins is not a Christian. What I'm saying is that if we sin on a regular basis, then we really should not have assurance of salvation. We should look at ourselves and ask ourselves the question, do we really know Jesus Christ as personal Savior? Because if we have genuine faith, it's going to make a difference in our lives. Verse number four, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. That's pretty forthright, is it not? But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. In other words, our relationship with Jesus Christ, our faith in him, should make a difference in our lives. And if it doesn't make a difference in our lives, we need to examine ourselves and make sure that we have that relationship. It goes on to say, talk about love in verses 7 and following, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because darkness has blinded his eyes. Again, as we look at this portion of Scripture, it is very forthright. It's saying that if we really have faith in Jesus Christ, if we really know him in a personal way, it's going to make a difference in our lives. And one of the things that is going to happen is we're going to become more like him. Verse number 6 Another thing that is going to happen is that we are going to love our brother and sister in Christ. So love is faith in action. 
If we, if we really know Jesus Christ and we trust him, then we are going to be loving God and loving one another. Observation number one, love is faith in action. Observation number two, love is the fulfillment of the law. Turn back to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 15. Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 through 15 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity to, to the flesh to selfishly do whatever you want to do. But through love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Sometimes we feel like we have liberty to do whatever it is we want to do. In fact, I think in America today, many people feel like they have license to just live any way they want to with no consequences. There's a problem with that. The problem is they're rebelling against the authoritative word of God, against the law of God. And it, it's, it's sort of like a kid saying, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want to, and I don't care. Well, sometimes when we have that attitude, we have parents that spank, we can endure some pain because there are consequences. And did you know that there are consequences to sin? When we choose to disobey God's word, whether we're a Christian or we're not a Christian, there are consequences. And so it's important for us to, to recognize this. We have been called to liberty, but we're supposed to do what God wants us to do. And the way that we do that is reflected in verse number 14. All the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The observation is that love is the fulfillment of the law. In fact, if you go back to Exodus chapter 20, and what's in Exodus chapter 20? Does anybody know? I know that some of you do. Ten Commandments. And you look at those Ten Commandments. The first four or so talk about loving God, and the next six or so talk about loving your neighbor. If you really love God, then you will fulfill Commandments 1 through 4. <clears throat> And if you really love your neighbor, you will fulfill commandments 5 through 10. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Another portion of Scripture where Paul talks about this is Romans chapter 13. Go ahead and turn there, if you will. Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Romans 13, 8 says, O no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, this, this does not mean that we don't need to study God's Word 
We do. We need to grow in our love. We need to grow in our knowledge of God's Word and understand the principles, understand what it really does mean to love. But the deal is this. The motivating factor behind us keeping the law of God should be the love we have for God and the love we have for one another. And so in reality, if we love God and love one another, we're going to be doing what God's Word has to say. There's some that say, well, I love somebody, and so I'm going to do this or do that. But the reality is they don't love that person. They're acting selfishly. And we need to recognize that as we look at God's Word, it helps us to know better how to love But the way that we love or the ability that we have to love, the power that we have to love is through God and through his word. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Again, this is Paul speaking. He's speaking to the church at Ephesus. And this is what he says, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you just like God loved us sent his son provided forgiveness we need to love one another and forgive verse verse 1 of chapter 5 therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. We should be imitators of God. We should walk in love as Christ loved us. Is that a challenge? Indeed it is. Indeed it's impossible for us in our own strength. We must depend on God. But it's important to do. It's important for us to recognize the priority of love. Love is faith in action. Love is the fulfillment of the law. In fact, in John chapter 13, the apostle John is writing. And what he does is he quotes Jesus. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. It's a red letter in my Bible. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you what? If you have love for one another. Love is the fulfillment of the law, and when we love God and love one another, then we're going to be doing what God wants us to do. Again, it's not a matter of following the do's and don'ts in the Bible. As much as it is a relationship with Jesus Christ that makes a difference in our lives. He is our example and he enables us to love like we ought to. There is one more observation found in verses 22 to 23 of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5:22 says but the fruit of the spirit is what's the next word? love Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. 
So love is the fulfilling of the law. It's not just not doing what we shouldn't do. It's doing what we should do, being what we should be. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So the observation is, number one, love is faith in action. Number two, love is the fulfillment of the law. Number three, love is one fruit of the Spirit. Romans 5, 8 is a verse that probably many of you have heard. God commended his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're getting back to the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ there. That even though we were sinners and deserved to go to hell, Jesus died for us and paid the penalty for our sins so that we could go to heaven if we believe him, if we trust him as Savior and Lord. But three verses earlier it says this, Romans 5, 5. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. How do we have the love of God for people? Sometimes we think as we deal with people, whether it's our spouse or parent or child or coworker or teammate or whatever it might be, we think that person is hard to love. In all probability, they're thinking about us. That person is hard to love. Some people are difficult to love. How can we do it? Well, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And what does love look like? That's a good question. I've quoted it many times, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the NIV. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. It goes on to describe what love is all about. And that's the kind of love we ought to have for one another. And when we do that, love is the fulfilling of the law. Too often during valentine's day we are thinking about erotic or romantic love and that's good god made that within marriage but the reality is that all of us need to express agape love the kind of love that god showed us the kind of love that he tells us to show one another when he says love one another when he says love is patient love is kind and so on so the observations are that love is faith in action if we truly have genuine faith it's going to make a difference in our lives we're going to obey jesus christ we're going to love one another love is the fulfillment of the law love is one of the fruit of the spirit he's the one that works in us in such a way that we can love like we ought to love now, I don't know about you, but as I talk about faith and as I talk about love, I recognize that I fall short. I recognize that sometimes my faith is weak and sometimes my love is inadequate. Wouldn't you agree with that? So what do we do? Well, one of the things we do is we look at these principles in Scripture and seek to apply them. To trust God to work in us in such a way that we love like we ought to. But another thing that we ought to do, when we recognize that our faith is weak and our love is inadequate, 
is to confess our sins, to confess and to repent. It's great that God's Word says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's great that Hebrews chapter 14, verses 15 and 16 talks about the high priest we have, Jesus, who understands our weaknesses. And then we are told to come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do we need mercy? We certainly do. Do we need grace to help in time of need? We certainly do. God forgives us when we confess our sin and He helps us to live for Him as we trust Him. And that's what we need to do. Trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And if we obey, then we're going to be loving. Loving God, loving one another. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us so that we can have everlasting life. Lord, I just pray that if there's someone here that has never said yes to Jesus Christ, that they will do so today. Basically saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. But I know Jesus died for me. Paid the penalty for my sin. And right now I depend on Jesus to save me and give me everlasting life. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I would love for you to get in touch with me and let me know. But the second thing has to do with those of us who already know Jesus Christ as Savior. We recognize that we don't trust you like we ought to. Our faith is sometimes weak, that we don't love like we ought to. Lord, I pray that you'll work in our hearts in such a way that we will confess and repent and that you will, through your Holy Spirit, work your love in and through us. Your love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and for your grace. And we pray that you will help us to live our lives for you, for your honor and glory. Help us to trust and obey. Help us to love you. Help us to love one another. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and as we sing, you might need to make a decision. Some of you might have prayed that prayer. And you want to come up and just let me know that you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Some of you might want to come to the altar and pray and just say, Lord, I really do want to trust you and obey you. I really do want to love one another like I should. I don't know what God's guiding you to do, but I encourage you to do it. As we sing together, I have decided.